one of the best ways that we can lead is through collaboration with our team and leaning on more experienced leaders. Welcome to the Sawyer Event Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet, Now What? I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. When you start out in practice, there is a pretty good chance that you will be the youngest and the newest member of the team. As a doctor, you are technically placed in a leadership position. But what does it mean to be a leader and what makes a leader good? Joining me today is Dr. Lindsay Hedges from Mission Veterinary Partners. We cover what leadership is, how you can cultivate positive work culture, and how to deal with conflict as a leader. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's jump right in. All right, you guys, welcome back. And today I'm super excited to welcome my good friend, Dr. Lindsay Hedges to the show. Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I am ridiculously excited about this episode. You and I can just like shoot the breeze on mentorship like no one's business. But before I get all long-winded here, I'm going to introduce you as the Senior Director of Veterinary Mentorship at Mission Veterinary Partners, which makes you one of the best people to talk to about this subject. And Lindsay, I'm coming to you. I mean, I'm going into my fourth year in practice now, but I'm thinking back on all of the being myself as a new grad and just the current class of new graduates that we have in practice. They are the newest and probably some of the youngest, at least on the doctor's side, that are coming into these teams. And as we all know, we're told like in vet school, like you are going to be a leader in your practice. So there's a little bit of a a question mark there of like, okay, how do you become a leader? How do you actually be a leader as the newest and youngest member of your team? So that's the question that we're looking at today. So I'll turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Mariah. So, you know, as our newest generation of veterinarians comes out of vet school and enters their practices, this is a common hurdle that I think everyone comes up against. Personally, I too, you know, saw that early in my career, this frustration because you want to make an impact and have change and, you know, being kind of the newest member of the team can sometimes feel like the power is not necessarily in your hands or vice versa. You know, it can be that you feel like you have too much power and maybe you're not ready for it yet. (laughs) And so, you know, I think having worked with new grads over many, many years now, you know, we've seen kind of the whole spectrum as they come into practice. So, you know, I think the first thing is to really think about what leadership means. And you know, I think oftentimes we think it's getting other people to do maybe what we want them to do. 
And that unfortunately never works. (laughs) I wonder why. um, I know, if only, you know, and there are certain situations where, you know, yes, kind of having that more direct approach to management is going to be effective. But I think understanding that when our professors and leaders in in vet school tell you you're going to be a leader as soon as you get into practice, what they're talking about is influence. And, you know, when you come in and you have that DVM or VMD or what is it that you have after? Oh, uh, BVMNS. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember it (laughs) every time. There's too many acronyms, you know. Oh, right. But once you have that degree and that, that license, you know, you automatically have influence within, you know, your hospital. And that means that people are going to look to you as their guide when making decisions. And so it can be a, a difficult hurdle to come in day one and feel like, oh, I'm now the decision maker when for the last four years, everybody else made the decisions and you just had to know the pathophysiology and (laughs) understand every possible differential that could present for each individual case. You know, so long story short, I think understanding that definition of leadership, that it's really having influence on others towards a common goal And knowing that influence can look a lot of different ways. So, you know, coming into practice, you as a new graduate, you're going to influence even the most senior doctors in your practice. You know, we've talked, I think, before about reverse mentorship and how our senior doctors, they oftentimes are craving knowing what the latest and greatest medical knowledge is. And so as a new grad, you may feel, oh, man, I have so much that I need to learn. And we all do. But um, you also have so much to teach. And I think taking that opportunity to say, you know, hey, shock doses have changed. And, (laughs) you know, this is what we learned in school. And having those conversations, like you not only are going to help better train your staff, and get them excited about learning and excited about vet med, but you're going to influence even some of the most senior doctors within your practice. I think that's one of the coolest things about coming into a practice, because just as you mentioned, like I remember being that new grad where honestly, like some of the senior doctors, they'd pull me aside and be like, hey, I have this question. And of course, in your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get quizzed. Ah!" And then what they're really asking is, hey, I know you have the new information. What do you know about this disease process? And more often than not, I was able to just rattle something off because that's what I've been doing for the last four years. And so that's why they came to me is because they knew that I would have some random little tidbit of information or some random knowledge about some random disease because that's what we seem to learn in the ivory tower. And so I was able to contribute to those cases and actually feel like, hey, they valued my voice. And that was one of the coolest things or just um, like in a doctor's meeting, making decisions on medications or protocols. I was like, oh, my gosh, you want to hear what I have to say on this? Like, I've just been that student, honestly, for so long to finally be considered a doctor to have that kind of voice 
was so cool. And that last little bit that you added about just teaching our team members, so like our support staff, our technicians, our nurses, our assistants, even our CCAs, they are the people that you get to teach them different things. So yes, I lean on my nurses very heavily. I did and I still do to learn skills from, but I was also able to return that around and teach them a few skills or some knowledge just based on my recent experience of being in school. So those are three immediate areas that I didn't really think that I would have influence or have the ability to be a leader in, but right out of the gate, like those were the three main areas that I could think of or that I did experience. So it's really cool that you kind of mentioned that. I was like, oh yeah, like four years ago feels like forever, but yeah, it was just yesterday. Yeah. One of the most common things that I see in practices too is that the new graduate just brings this excitement and curiosity into the practice. And so, you know, I think sometimes the things that we see every single day can start to become kind of mundane. So for the entire staff, not just the doctor staff, like you kind of take some of those things for granted. But I was talking with one of our recent grads last year, and he had just come off of an internship. And he was like, after that internship, like, give me a hemo abdomen any day. He's like, I will do an A-fast all day long. He's like, a puppy appointment, though, or a kitten appointment. He was like, and I was terrified. And so, (laughs) like, you know, my nurse was able to step in and help me. My mentor helped to coach me through like what questions to ask and things. And so, and he was so excited about the support from his team. And so then they got super excited being able to teach him and, you know, being a part of that. And so, you know, I think sometimes we can feel a little bit like a burden in asking other people to help, but what you're actually doing is building positive culture in your practice, which is one of the best leadership things that you can do. When I started my practice, I was just three years out of school and I had so much leadership knowledge to learn. And you know, I started off, like I'd said before, where I thought leadership really meant like getting people to do what I want. <laughs> and so trying to get that, you know, lead by example and also just do it the way that I do it. And over the years, getting to the point where I could say, you know, this is what I'm thinking about this case. But even just talking to one of my staff members and being like, what else do you think about this? And they would get so excited being able to say like, well, have you considered that, you know, maybe it could be behavioral and, you know, here are some things that could be coming up. And I was like, no, I didn't really think about that. And so, you know, having those conversations with the staff and just staying open and curious about things and not kind of stuck in the rut that some other people, you know, can sometimes get into, it breathes life. So giving them the opportunity to have a voice and really looking for ways that you can provide learning opportunities. So one of the things that I always encourage new grads, like again, you're a new grad in the practice, but an area that just like you said, you have an opportunity to create a positive work culture is give your support staff a voice and then also find out the things that they want to learn and grow in. Maybe it's not something that you yourself can physically teach them, but you can help create the opportunities for it. You can speak up for them and say, hey, that person wanted to learn more skill in the lab. Like, I want to come show you something. 
again, like learn what it is that excites them. Because just like yourself, like you enjoy going to work more when you like what you're doing. The same can be said for everybody else on your practice. And you as the new grad, as a leader, have the opportunity to help create those opportunities for them to get excited about learning new things, to kind of light the flame underneath them that says, this person is really excited about anesthesia. So we're going to work on some things or we're going to try and find some cases or some CE for them. Like those are awesome opportunities for you where, again, like that's part of what you do as a leader is helping to support and lift up those around you. So as much as we're talking about like the positive side of things, I'm going to quickly flip the script and ask, what do we do as leaders where we find that we're starting to actually butt heads with our other team members? How do we continue to inspire this positive work culture and lift up those around us when we either see something that's either detrimental to our work culture or detrimental to a patient or another individual? Yeah. So I think the first step that I, again, developed through some heavy trial and error and the way that I I coach many of, of my new grads is to say, you first have to check yourself. And so whenever you have that situation, like our first duty is to understand what actually is happening in that situation. And am I maybe putting some of my own bias into my judgment of what's happening? So a lot of times we can judge situations that are happening in hospitals against what maybe happened in our school, not realizing that there are some things that every single vet school teaches completely differently. (laughs) And so there are many, many ways to neuter a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And so first, kind of check yourself, check your bias. Secondly, know that you don't have to solve the entire problem on your own. I think, again, that's something we often put on our shoulders, thinking that as a leader, like we should be able to do this by ourselves. And one of the best ways that we can lead is through collaboration with our team and leaning on more experienced leaders. So, you know, reaching out to the leaders in your practice, your practice managers, your medical directors, you know, your practice owners, and finding out how they might handle this situation. And not necessarily saying I have to put it completely on you and kind of like wipe your hands of it, but ask them what you can do in that situation to help support, you know, kind of turning things around. And so you'll gain tons of leadership knowledge just by leaning on the collective knowledge inside of the practice. No, I think it's important to remember that these kind of things don't happen in a vacuum. You have your team and your mentors around you for this very reason, because even in the in the best unicorn practice, you're still going to have issues where you're going to butt heads with someone. You're going to say, hey, I learned something new. Are you willing to hear it? And they're going to be like, we've done it this way. We're only ever going to do it this way. <laughs> and so <laughs> exactly. like, it's, you're yeah. always going to come up against something of that sort. And so whether it's something mild like that or something more serious, like an interpersonal uh, relationship issue, like you're going to face those and being the doctor. And again, even like if it's a client issue, like you're still the leader for your team, you're still there to advocate for them. I always think of the situation where it's like a client was rude to one of your support staff. 
you have to advocate for them, you have to support them and kind of stand behind them as the doctor, even though it's very uncomfortable (laughs) to be in that situation. But I feel like the same things that you've outlined there are true in those kind of situations where taking the time to kind of step back, survey the scene, have great and say, all right, check yourself, check what's going on, kind of get a gauge on everybody else's like emotional temperature, if you will. And from there, realizing, okay, you probably don't have to solve this entirely by yourself. It probably doesn't have to be dealt with in that exact moment. And so then how do you go to the people that you trust after you've developed these trusting relationships, which that's like a whole other podcast, I feel like, <laughs> I know, yeah. um, is developing those trusting relationships with your mentors, with your team members, so that you can ask them and be, maybe you don't have to name names or anything, but you can say, I have this problem. How would you recommend I approach it? And from there, you're going to, even if you ask two or three other of your mentors how they would do that, again, you're going to probably get two or three different answers, which isn't a bad thing, but it will help grow your experience and help grow your knowledge so that you can, again, learn, become a better leader and help support your team members as well. So I feel like that's a beautiful kind of way to put it. And I just wrote it down for myself. I was like, check yourself. Don't feel like you have to solve it by yourself and then collaborate with your leaders were the three main points that I got from that. So yeah, so many good things. You know, that's something that I've seen even more in these last few years at MVP. Like, you know, I tried to work on that as an individual, you know, private practice owner, but like our CEO and our CVO, like they will come to me and say, I'm having this issue. Like, what would you do in this situation? You know, and so, you know, I think that is, it's such a great example of leadership. And I think the sooner we can start practicing that, like, it's not even complete lack of experience that leads to that. It's just good leadership is getting different perspectives because we all look at things a little bit differently. So... For sure. And I don't want to leave them on a somewhat sour note, but I know we're coming to the end. So any last little bits of wisdom, I guess, like a clinical tip that you would add for new grads who are still kind of on the edge and feeling kind of nervous about being a leader? Like what would be one one liner, I guess you would give them of encouragement? Oh, putting you on the spot here. Yeah, I know. I'm not very good at being succinct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right. I would say that coming into practice, if you're nervous about being a leader, remember that the leadership is unique to every person. And you don't have to be bold. You don't have to go over the top. You don't have to control. But you and the uniqueness of your own skills will shine as a leader in your practice. So take the pressure off because just being you will be a positive influence for everyone around you. Boom, mic drop <laughs> right there. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like that's could not end the, a podcast any better way. So just remember, guys, you can do this. And I, I can't even like, I have nothing to add after that. That was perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> with that, you guys, we're going to say thank you for joining us. Um, Dr. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us as well. And until next week, y'all. See ya. <laughs> So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, 
then check out my book, Story of It Now What, or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care. Thank you.